it away, feeling too good to me. Chilling all day, all in your, all in your space, space is where I'm gonna be. Hearing this, hearing this, what did you do? What did you do? I just can't get enough. Too caught up, too caught up, up in your love. again to another episode of Landscurve Live. I had a laid back day today. Well, I mean, when it's pouring down raining, what else are you going to do? <laughs> the rain came up on the hill. I wasn't up there with Mrs. Skurve in the mountains when she was in the garden, but she came home early and I'm like, wow, you came home early. What ran you home? <laughs> yeah, when it rains up there, it's, it's, it's really crazy. Now, uh, again, I wasn't up there today, but I know how it is because I've been up there when it rains. And because it's up in the mountains, you're already up in the clouds. It's not like you're looking up. You are up. And the clouds come rolling across the land because it's poking up in the clouds. And a lot of times the clouds are black. You're right up in the middle of it. And if you ever saw the movie The Blob, how the, when it got really big and was rolling toward everybody, that's how those clouds look. And when the winds strike, it's like out of nowhere. It's, it's either or whoosh, whoosh, like, what the heck is this? You got to run. 
And then you look, you don't see the cloud. You look again five seconds later, it's there coming at you. <laughs> it's like the time, I'll say this before we start, that I got a direct indirect hit of lightning. And I was on Orange Blossom Trail in Orlando, Florida. And it was raining real bad and it kind of stopped. It was when I first came down before I started working in corrections, I had got this uh, security job in an open mall on International Drive. And I forgot the name of it, but it was open. Like it was just open, the sky and everything. And it was really nice. And I worked it overnight. So I was on my way there. It was still drizzling, but you can still see the lightning in the sky. So I'm under this bus stop and I'm kind of chilling. I remember there was an Indian lady kind of like going to the curb and she had an umbrella, but it wasn't really enough that you had to have an umbrella over you at this particular point. But I was still under the awning. I didn't want to get wet at all. I had a uniform that I would change into, but I was in regular clothes. I just didn't want to get wet, but it wasn't that bad. So anyway, I'm kind of feeling this electric feeling all over my body, like my hair standing up on my arms and and wherever else I had hair. (laughs) So, you know, that went by for five minutes and all of a sudden I felt stiff and I heard, it was like slow motion. It was like, boom, it hit, it hit the, the, the structure that was over me which was partial, partially metal and fiberglass. Couldn't tell you the breakdown. But I know one thing, I was 15 feet over from where I was standing on all fours. Like a dog that came in after hearing a lightning strike and he comes inside the house and he's scared and he's shaking. Well, my legs were shaking, my arms were shaking and I was on all fours. And I was scared and I was disoriented. I didn't know what was going on. So I saw these four ladies run toward me. I didn't see them earlier, but they ran toward me and they were like, oh, are you okay? And I looked up. I said, is it going to happen again? I was really out of it, right? (laughs) Is it going to happen again? And one pulled me up and I said, "I, I love you. I love you. Like, like, like they saved me from something, but I was traumatized. <laughs> but here's the catch. These four women were hookers. They were across the street where they saw the lightning bolt hit the awning, the, the overpass, the, the, the structure, the bus stop structure that I was on. And not only were they ladies of the night, when I stood up, they were still taller than me because they were all men. Big Adam's apple, everything. I, was, I didn't realize it. And I said, I love you. I was so scared. <laughs> You're going to be all right? And now, now I'm more in shock that I'm so close to these things. Like, oh, my God, look what I'm around. You know, I just said, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I, I'm okay. I'm okay. And the lady, the Indian lady, it, it, it had knocked her out in the street. And um, she called an ambulance. And the ambulance also checked me out. I made sure. And then I got on the work and they're like, listen, going back home, man, because that was messed up. That was funny. And the funny thing about it is months later, I'm working in the Orange County, Orange County Corrections Department, and I'm walking down the hallway and I had to go into this special area. I was a movement office and I had to do something in that particular uh, 
area. And so they opened up the door to the day room. And one of the guys up there was like, oh, ain't that that guy that said he loved you? I was like, oh, man, they're in here. Because I guess, you know, they get locked up all the time, whatever. And I was not dressed the same. I was in uniform, but they don't miss a beat. That's him. You still love me, baby. I said, <laughs> I said, listen, I'm going to come back here and tell the whole story so you know what's going on. So you don't think I got some secret life. <laughs> Sister Oyala, how are you? Oh, I forgot to mention you, Monk Million, but I see you there. Yeah. So that, that's the story. And one of them came after when I was driving the bus now. How you doing, Officer Skirvin? It's a long time after I was out, out of corrections. And so I said, listen, you can sit down and talk to me, but let everybody else know on the bus how we know each other. Because <laughs> in Orlando, Florida, folks see one thing or another and they run with it. Oh, no, don't run with that. Let's get that straight right now. Yeah, life is something. But, you know, some people do have their secret lives and stuff. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to say that last night's um, conversation on the conference line was electric and just, oh, my God. Got to say, if you're not talking, mute your phone because folks, somebody fell asleep, left the TV on. And it was overpowering. It was toward the end. Well, it made it the end because folks couldn't talk. And I already fell out. So I got to work something out with those who are there. Like, listen, call me up if you're in there. Let me know so I can lock them out or mute them because that's kind of inconsiderate. If you're making noise, whatever, if you think you're going to fall asleep, mute because we want to have a good conversation with no interruptions or whatnot. Yeah. Oh, Queen Red Pill, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of stories. I tell a lot of them over and over and there's some I haven't told before. Just little experiences. Just like I said, I thought everybody's life was like that. Yes, everybody has experiences and lives life and all of that good stuff. But I kind of realize now that I have more than my fair share. I don't know. Everybody tells me I attract crazy things, you know, crazy folks and stuff and just situations. I attract them like a magnet. And it, it's it, it's I've learned to really enjoy that aspect of my life. Not that I never did. But I just thought it was like, la, 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 because I, I see things. I mean, like when I was growing up in New York City, I would go out to Manhattan and walk around sometimes. Not just walk around aimlessly, but if, if it wasn't with my friends, you know, it would be um, solo. But I do things like go to the bookstores, go to the music shops where I can look get music, go out there and eat some sushi. You know, it wasn't always where I was around women and all this. That I did a lot of solo things. I was always very content within myself. And lots of times when I would go out like that and I had a cool, like laid back, I wasn't out there looking for women, looking for this, looking, you know, I might strike up a conversation and end up hanging the rest, hanging up the rest of the evening with somebody I just met. And it never turned out to be anything. We kept each other's numbers and every now and then keeping contact. It was really nice mentality to have and to be laid back and have that. And, and I guess that's what kind of uh, attracted people to me, even brothers, you know, like on a, on a straight tip, just like, you know, you end up hanging, you know, and whatever. It's oh, I didn't need the internet to to meet people. You know what I mean? I lived that kind of life, and I was always trying to be interesting in my conversation to people, not just the usual stuff. Joe Neckbone in the house. What's going on? Here he is. Look at that. He knows. <laughs> He's another one who can write a few chapters of my book. <laughs> there he is, like Batman. You had a wild rogues gallery. <laughs> I had Kevin on last night and, and my friend, uh, uh, Jack Griffin, I almost said his other name. <laughs> Kevin doesn't mind. He might come on, but 
Yeah, Jack Griffin. And we got Joe Nakebone on. Yeah, yeah. Life was always a casual adventure. You know, the things that I look back, I'm like, I couldn't have constructed these things. You know? And it's funny because, you know, going into the topic of what I wanted to say, you know, many people, not that they want it that way, but they may not understand that I had it that way. And I like to share those laughs. I like to share experiences. I don't want to be the only one experiencing something, whatever. I want you to be there. I want you to see it. Like Joe Nickbone knows a lot of the characters around me, especially when I was back with my old girlfriend in the crazy days. He was there. He saw it. <laughs> yeah, we forgot more fun than uh, many people have, you know? Top-notch rocker in the house. <laughs> What's that song? Uh, Chief Rocker back in the day. Was it back in 90, 93? Come on, Chief Rocker, Chief Rocker. Doom, doom, doom. Who made that? It was a, I keep forgetting who made that. That was back in, I think, like 93, around those days. Yeah. Yeah, we forgot more fun. And um, I'm constantly digging up out of, the, out of the crates. You know, remind me of something to share, Joe Nickbone. I mean, I pretty much told everything of myself. People know my, and I'm going to get into it right now with, with the topic why. Right, no drugs, no alcohol. Emma Brown from Wales, UK, you are welcome. And no Emma, Emma Brown that you can come on to the conference line later on by going and clicking the link on Landscurve where it shows a number. You scroll down a little bit and it takes you there like a, there's no long distance charges. You can talk with all of us after the show for hours and hours and hours, five hours straight and it cuts. And then we get back in it again, hang up and call back. And I'm about to up, upload the conversation that was had last night. That was just absolute Lords. Right. Right. Lords of the underground. Right. Oh y'all. Right. Oh, that's right. I know, you know, your music. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I know you know your music. I should I should come to you now every time I want to, you know, exactly. But you're always welcome, Emma Brown, and those around the around the globe that we can get together and have a good time without any charges or anybody trying to hustle anybody. You know, you go look at your phone bill and say, oh my God, 200 extra dollars or 200 pounds or whatever. This guy fooled me. No, it's free of charge. Everybody here can tell you that. And lay back and have those good old conversations because these days, People are not social anymore. People are not, I don't know. They don't have manners these days. Um, they're not social anymore. They're like, like what the C-O-V-I-D word wanted us to become. You know, we, we can see each other's faces now, but they're blank canvases that don't show any emotion. It was covered up for such a long time. This is not the society in the world that I expected, you know, Oh, yeah, health and wellness was my drug. <laughs> I was telling everybody the other night about the time when I showed you the magazine, but you didn't know I was that deep into bodybuilding. We were in Manhattan. I said, hey, take a look at this. You see this guy? You're like, oh, man, I didn't know you were into it that deep because I kept myself undercover. Now, like the first year or two when I really got into it, the 14, 15, you know, you're walking around. But I like to be cool with everything, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know? And Queen Red Pill, yeah, like robots. But but see, we're not robots. And we suffer because of the lack of, of, of touch. And I don't mean anything wayward, but just the human touch. Just when somebody comes around and says, hey, how you doing? I don't want nothing from you. I just want to know how you're doing. Let's chat a while. What happened to the free things? Will you take some time 
And you say, what are you doing? I'm just going to go to the supermarket. I'm free. I'll come with you. No secret agenda or, or hidden motivation. Just the love and the joy of being with each other. Just like Joe Nickbone, if you walk past the house and saw people in front and we talk till daybreak just for the fun of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was closeted with my trophies. <laughs> Had a whole lot of them too. But yeah, um, it, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing when you have the human thing going on because when you're young or younger, you know, we all, some of us go back more generations than, than, than others or more decades, but it was just that joy. You had a little bit of change in your pocket. I mean, when you're young, just a couple of dollars, not even $10, maybe five. I'm talking about when you're young, young, young. And you felt rich when you had $5 back in the 70s. And you, it, you're playing softball, basketball, which I was never good at. So I would usually stand around. I'd throw bricks all the time, you know. But um, football, I didn't like, but I was good at because knocking people down, it was easy for me. You know, I was deceptive. I wasn't big when I was super young, but I was always strong. But just, you know, the fun, the jokes, the stupid things you say, being free, being exhausted, you're out of breath, you're laughing at something, and just that whole thing. Now we are so compartmentalized and rigid. I would have never known that this world would be the way it is now. But the thing is, through each of us who remember those times, we can have it that way. I refuse to allow any faction, any hierarchy to rob me what I've known so well. So this is why if I want something, I'm going to become that something. I was always told if you want a fantasy, you have to be a fantasy. You see, you have a pretty young girl, older woman, whatever. I know some older women who are in shape and whatever. It's not about that. But they take care of themselves. And the guy doesn't take care of himself. And he wants to belittle the woman who is in shape. You know, like, wait a second. Don't you have to do your part too? And it's not just on that level. But if I want this out of the world, let me give some of this energy out in the world. Like I always say, and I'm going to keep on saying it. I remember Tony Brown's journal, Black News, Bill McCreary, the McCreary Report. All of those old shows that spoke about black people and black news. And it's not just where it has to be black, 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 because we're bigger than black. We're black, but we're bigger than I'm not trying to be dismissive on what we are. We should know that we're the foundation. We're the original. So we don't have to try to reach for something that we already are. Let's just be who we are and shine and, and, and not bring back those old days, but Generate the energy that manifests what we felt in those days and bring it to these days because nobody can stop us from that. I used to sit up at night sometime with a little AM FM radio. And back in those days, you know, FM was there and everything like that, but AM was the thing. And it didn't sound as good as FM. It was a little flat. But boy, the talk shows that I listen to at night and in New York City, I don't know how it is now. Joe Nickbone, you're going to have to let me know. But I remember late at night, there were all kind of music channels and all types of different communities that had their radio stations. But there was a lot to choose from for us and our community in New York City, based out of Brooklyn, based out of Queens, based out of the Bronx and Manhattan. Maybe not so much out of Staten Island, but... It was a feeling that you had, that we, we, we had a togetherness. And yes, there was crime, there was poverty, there were drugs, there was a threat of war. 
but because we were huddled in together even tighter and even more so. Yeah, you're right. Radio's all corporate now. Anybody back then could have had, you know, whichever procedure you had to go through. I didn't know. I would have loved to be back at that time doing then what I do, do, do now. But that's just not how it ended up. I was very young then, but I used to love it. It brought a glow to my heart to learn and to hear the things going on in the community. And, and it, it did something for me that time. Then you get up on a Saturday morning in Soul Train, you know what I mean? And before you go up on Jamaica Avenue and go shopping, if you had a party that night to go get an outfit and, you, and a haircut, you went up there, you saw the pretty girls, you saw people you, you didn't know, some you knew. You know what I mean? It was a culture thing. You know, what was the place across the street there from uh, Margarita's on the same side? It was a, it was a record shop there, uh, two stories. Remember Len used to work up there, Joe Neckbone? And he, he, used, he used to have the DJ booth that you can look up on the second floor and actually see him DJing with both turntables. And he worked there. What's the name of the record uh, place there? And um, I remember Stephanie Mills was there for like a, like a, um, the whiz. Yes, 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 yes. And I, I definitely have to reach out to Len to see if I can get him to call into the show and bring back some of that good nostalgia that many who are from that area in that time will know. And even if you're not from that time and that era, Coming up, wherever you came up, you had something that you held so, you know, precious. Remember that dude, Joe Nickbone, on the same side of Margarita's Pizza, but you go down more toward 165th Street. But no, it's in the same block. And he would stand up there and just dance. It wasn't like a dance. He's like, a, like he would jump up and down and move his hands a certain way. I'm going to go, I'm going to show the camera. I'm going to show my face all next week. I just was kind of tired this week, but I'm going to get up in front of the camera and I'm going to dance like this dude. You got to remember this guy. He was crazy. Yes. Queen Red Pill, you're so right. It's a constant struggle between spirit and technology. And the technology looks so sweet and it can be quite addictive, but it pales in comparison to the spirit. You see what I mean? Yvonne, how are you? I'm glad you're here. Yes, yes, we're just starting up. Been off about 20-something minutes, but we, you know, just still kind of warming up. And I don't know how long this is going to go on, but I'm going to get to the points and then we'll merge on over to the conference line or whatever. But I'm, not, I'm in no rush. I'm chilling. I got my water with me, so <laughs> ate a whole lot today. Like I said, it rained. I was like, not lethargic, but I was like, eh, can't go out there and do as much as I can. I still got some footage from down into the um, McCullough area. Um, a big shopping area. Like you see everything. It's too much to watch. You, when you look at this stuff, you're gonna be pausing and running back. Let me see this again. <laughs> Straight up, like 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 a Jamaica Avenue in, in Queens and South Side Queens is where a lot of us would go to to go shopping and everything. There were other places to go shopping, but that was right there. So this is like Joe Nick Bone, the Jamaica Avenue of of uh, Accra, Ghana. Everything you want to see, they're selling everything out there. You know what I mean? Even though it's a little different because it's a different culture, even though it's our people, right? But that's just what it is. You know what I mean? Double A vibes. How are you? Welcome in. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, but the struggle between spirit and technology. And we've abandoned spirit and gone for technology. Even when we don't know that we do have spirit, we do have that sense of connectedness that's nonverbal. That, that we sometimes feel something we don't know really what it is. It's not about religion. 
It's not about church or anything like that. This has nothing to do with that stuff. It's what we're built with, the instinct that the so-called animals in what they call the wild, but you know how I feel about that. Humans <laughs> in this day and age, they bring the wild, you know? But um, that sense of connectedness, and we're going to find out what it really is all about as we, as we transcend and transition and go deeper into our lives with our energy. You know what I mean? That's a deep thing. So knowing that you're connected to something so orderly and so forever, whatever role you may take on the next level when you give your body back to this earth, we'll see. But I feel it. You feel it. Top-notch rocker, Lance. Remember back in the early? Exactly. Exactly. Different feel, but so much more wholesome, so much more colorful, so much more spiritually nutritious. I loved it. The barbershops, the afros, the music, the women. They didn't have, they, they were beautiful, covered. Yeah, we had hot pants back then and different things, but they had their jeans on. The tops were on, the pretty faces. And it was like, we were more receptive to loving and respecting them. We didn't just look at it like many people do now. Click a button and watch porn. We didn't look at our sisters like that back then. Oh, we knew what they had physically. We'd chuckle and say a few things under our breath. But that took time to get next to. It was nice to meet a, a nice new young lady from the, another neighborhood, whether you dated her or not. It was just beautiful. You met the neighborhood people there. You met the families and stuff. And, and you know, it might have been well, you had a little kissy-poo going on a little bit there. And maybe that evolves. It's okay. But because of this thing called technology, which sounds like take knowledge, <laughs> take away the knowledge of what it was back in the day. It was sweet. And again, I'm not some old geezer just reminiscing about the old days, the old days, the old days were better. Maybe that's something that we all go through when we're younger and when we compare it to the present. But listen, the present now, y'all got to know it's, it's something gone. Even the guys that were, when I was eight years old getting my hair cut and these guys were talking about Joe Lewis could beat Muhammad Ali and their days were better. I can understand that. I can really understand that. They had the clubs in Manhattan and they were Lindy hopping and, you know, back in Malcolm X's days when he was younger doing a little dirt, but he would explain in his uh, autobiography how Harlem was. And so my father having his business out there in Manhattan and still keeping in contact from the old neighborhood. I never lost contact with the old neighborhood, Manhattan, Harlem, Washington Heights. So I saw the old men that were part of that earlier time and the glow they had on their faces and the stories that they told in the barbershops, little ways they chuckle about some of the women they knew, good and bad, but it was a joy they had. And like I said, we all know that Older man or woman who has a scowl on their face. They're mad because they got older. That's just a reflection on how they live their life. Because there's always that older man or woman who ain't nobody around and they're walking down the street and you're picking up, you're peeking out of your window and they got a smirk or a smile on their face, permanently etched because that's their spirit. Tatum, yes, how are you? I'm glad you're here. How are you? CM. This must be your first comment because I didn't see before you snuck on the back door, but that's okay. You're, you're, you're right here. Let me see what Queen Rip Hills. I used to work on 8th, uh, 8th Street 
and Sixth Avenue, and everyone would gather and just share so much knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Oh my God. <laughs> 8th Street and Sixth Avenue? Okay. What was the spot right there? It was a food joint right there on, on the end of, uh, uh, oh, it was Sixth. Okay, let me see. Okay, 8th Street and Sixth, right. 8th Street and Sixth Avenue, the village. I was getting it twisted around. If you used to work there, we, we had to physically pass each other, see each other, because I was always through that neighborhood, always back in the day. You know what I mean? And that's the way it was, and especially over by Washington Square Park. Nobody bothered anybody. People would be out there sleeping, riding unicycles, playing instruments, telling jokes all night long. All night long, Washington Square Park right there by NYU with the big arch. For those who don't live there or knew, they had this big arch over there. And most have seen it. And you can hang out there all night long. I mean, all night long. And I have to say it, and I have to say it again. Yes, the Waverly Diner. Remember BBQs with, with, with the chicken and, and the special for $3.99? You get a whole chicken, potatoes, and a vegetable, and a drink for $3.99. I used to train at the gym on 4th Avenue and 11th Street. It's never, it's not there anymore. And people that don't really know Manhattan, they're like, they ain't got no 4th Avenue. Yeah, you go below 14th Street, you got it, but it end right there. We'd walk over, meet a bunch of other guys who were training, because I trained in Brooklyn, Ridgewood, Queens, actually, but we said Brooklyn. And um, aside from the local gym that I trained when I started, but when I was in Manhattan, I had an open membership there that I can train there anytime I wanted. I just had to also, when I competed, mention them. So I mentioned Zinn's gym, then I mentioned also Natural Physique Center. And a footnote, um, what is the big muscle girl? She died. And um, she full of all these steroids, and they used to make fun of her on Living Color. She trained out of there. And I remember me and my friend Mike were sitting outside of the gym, but a couple doors down, and she always used to come around curious. She had no muscles. She didn't know nothing about it. And it's a scandal behind that. But we know what, but you know what? All the players involved are, are, are dead now. So she used to come around and hang around the gym and she was skinny. She had one eye, something wrong with her eye. It was like half closed. And she'd ask us how we got those big muscles. And eventually she got to know the owner of the gym and his wife was there working too, but eventually he got next to her. But the sick thing is, well, his wife divorced him and then he married her but he was pumping her up with steroids and her voice got deep and she got cocky too, because she was with the man who owned the gym. It's funny. Um, what is her, what was her name? Was it Nicole? Nicole Bass. Um, Nicole Fuchs was a married name, but Nicole Bass, I think was a fame uh, name she was known for. And she was in the bodybuilding competitions and she got into wrestling. Then she was on a Howard Stern show and she's acting all big and whatever heavy, but she was pumped up full of drugs. And she used to look down on us after that because she was the star now. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, 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 yeah. The Diner by Rockway Boulevard, BBQs. Yeah. Oh, really? It closed. That's a piece of me, man. But I can't expect everything. That's like um, Kanoko, the sushi joint on 72nd Street between Broadway and Columbus Avenue. Come on, Joe Nickbone. Tell them how good Kanoko was. That place was not tiny, but it was relatively small, but it was always packed. They sold sushi any way you wanted, but they had an all-you-can-eat special for 21 bucks. 
And you would expect that, well, the sushi is kind of like, you know, they have a small variety. They broke the rule. They put a hurting on many of the higher end sushi joints in the neighborhood and they were going strong. I remember the old man who was like a waiter. And he, he never missed. He never missed a beat. Like, say, if you got the all you can eat, right? Say, I got the all you can eat and you didn't. I can't take some of my all you can eat and give it to you. He'd catch it every time. And that dude had to be about maybe 70 years old. But I saw him outside one time when I was leaving out and he was playing with some kids that I guess they were family members and he was playing ball with them, but he was using his feet, martial arts style. I, this guy could probably kick my behind. <laughs> Kanoko, man. I dream of Kanoko, man. I Google Kanoko. Maybe somebody has old pictures or something from back then. This is why wherever you are, we have our phones. Use them. Because a picture that you might think I had didn't come out good might be a very valuable thing as the years go by. Back then, pff, memories and stuff, they, they live on in my heart. And I'm not just living in the past. I'm making, creating memories now. But the times that I do come back to New York, I will accept it as it is. But when I come out there with the cameras and the energy, I'm burning it up. I already told a few people there, when I come there, I mean business. We, we, we're going to live in the present, but we're going back to the future. <laughs> wow. A Korean barbecue? Wow. Vietnamese also. And you know, Astoria has so much. They say that's the most culturally, culturally diverse place on the whole planet. Ain't that something? The whole planet. You got all kind of, but that's the way New York is. It was that way. It is that way. Well, it will never lose that, even if it's a different change, you know, and so many other places in the world. I know Chicago and certain places in California, they, they've, they've come to their own, but nothing beats New York that way. And I'm not saying it, saying it as a cocky New Yorker who thinks I'm better than anybody else. No, that's a sincere thing. And there's nothing as sweet as the 70s and the 80s in New York City, y'all. And I probably crawled up into every nook and cranny, every place you could think to be curious about. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about those things. Yes. CM says, yes, I remember. And also New York City in general was so culturally ours and our people got along and protected each other. You're right about that. There's a sense of, of connectedness that went beyond even if you did something bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not bad, bad, but just we looked out for each other. Yeah, of course. See, of course, you know, but what I'm going to do, I want to connect with everybody and it's not going to happen like right now. I, I'm going to be honest about that, you know, but I, I, pop, I can't um, with the amount of strange energies that are around in the world and in cyberspace say, hey, I'm going to be coming on this flight on this day and so and so, but just reach out to me at lanceandlanceskirt.com. And I remember the particulars as far as, you know, phone number and stuff like that are ways to get back to you. And I'll let you know a little bit before. But that's so when I travel, I don't like broadcast it. Like I have a super, super, super inner circle. And even some of them, I, I make my move. And then I because you never know, I'm no important person like that. But I talk a lot and I, I've connected to a lot of good people, even more so recently. They're very powerful, but they're like, wow, you know, I, I, it's unbelievable. And um, you could be a threat through who you know or who they might think you to be in 10 years because I'm not compromising myself. I've, I've had situations that were spooky that were like, oh, well, they trying to make me some kind of offer or something. Who is this person? You know what I mean? When you reject it, it's like, 
you know, they know you're not out here because you're just on a money grab. You just love what you do and you're not going to, and you have the stick intuitiveness. I do this every day. If you don't see me, I'm doing something on the back end. You know what I mean? And so um, that's why I don't really broadcast it when I travel. I'm going to also be doing a lot of traveling here, you know, but then when I do come there, it's going to be on and popping. Trust me. We all can hang for days. That's where it's going to be. <laughs> Let me see here. All right. Blue Waters. Welcome. Welcome. You said you've been listening. Uh, uh, been in court all day with my family. Well, I hope everything turns out all right. Yes, but I'm here and I'm glad to see you here. Yes, indeed. Yes. Let me see here. Good conversation. Our communities in the next were close. And we went to one another for assistance and it worked. Um, the men in the community looked out for the women and children. That is what I remember growing up in New York City. Yes, I, I remember that. Yes, yes. Top-notch rocker says, Lance, my sister, used to live in Harlem on Madison Avenue. I remember listening to WBLS when I traveled to the city on weekends to visit her from West Point, New York. Yes, indeed. Much love for Madison Avenue. <laughs> All up and through there as a little boy. I mean, as a grown man, too, but when my father, we go out there to do different jobs because he refinished, you know, floors and landmark properties and stuff. And I would always make friends, you know, I would always, um, like when I was six and seven years old and I said, I'm coming to work with you, daddy. I'd bring comic books with me. Right. So he'd have me do little things. And I, I thought I was doing something and he'd still pay me, but he built that sense of you got to work for what you, what you get. But meanwhile, if I went out to the van and opened up the van, it was always really close by. The kids in the neighborhood would get to know me. First, you stare at each other. And if it was a job that took three or four days, you all are looking at each other, right? The next day, now you're playing. The third day, you're best of friends. And the fourth day, you're like, oh, man, whatever. I hate you. Got to go. So as a young man, I had phone numbers from kids all over the city. And when I would go with friends of mine out to different neighborhoods, like, how do you know all these people? It was because of my father. And driving around all over for years, like, my, my, like I always say, my parents were together, but on a weekend, I had a choice to go to rehearsals with my mother because she had concerts or go with my father. So I'd sprinkle it up, you know, I, I, I bend it up. So on those times, that's how I got to learn the subway's good because my mother didn't drive. So, you know, we'd always get a ride home, but we'd be on the trains. With my father, we're driving. So I had a sense of New York City from young that I wasn't just one of the people who stuck to my neighborhood. As a matter of fact, sometimes I was like, oh, man, the neighborhood's corny. I want to go way out here. So that's why sometimes from 11 and 12 years old, <laughs> that's the worst thing I did. You know, I might say, hey, and I might go over to a friend's house for a little while in the summertime and hop on the train and go. Because I wasn't scared because I knew people all over. And I just didn't have that fear. So I remember 1975, I was 12 years old. And I snuck out to Times Square late at night. <laughs> Not super late, but I had to get home. I was a bad boy that way. But it was always good, clean fun. But, but Times Square always fascinated me. The lights, the decadence, the weird stuff. Unbelievable. I remember, and that's the song that I always remember that throws me back into those times. Um, Earth, Wind, and Fire had a song um, Let's rock and roll. Let's rock and roll. Let the beat take control. Google that. And imagine me being like 12, 13 years old, looking at all these lights. And women were like eight feet tall to me. 
because they were hookers. <laughs> they had the heels on. I'm like, wow, look at that. Because I'd be with my father and see all this stuff. I say, I got to come back down here and see what this is all about. So if they ever do a movie of my life, that's the part that they have to put in there. <laughs> I was always adventurous that way. Giant Gain, welcome home. Good to see you. Much love to you. Hearts and love. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Joe Nickbone says, now there is no community. Exactly. Too many cultures that have no connection to each other. And they have no allegiance to us who grew up there. You know, 40 projects down there. But East, oh, God, for real? Oh, that's, pfft. do I need even to come back? <laughs> I'm going to be like that old um, Native American who was walking down the highway, the old commercial where they threw trash at his feet. He turned around, he had a tear in his eye. Is that going to be me? Ah, because I'm not going to lie. Um, exactly, Queen Red Pill. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I'll give a little, you know, yeah, because electronically we can be compromised. And I know all kind of weird stuff happens for me. You know, let me take a sip of this water, y'all. Let me just blaze this water. Oh, God. Watergasms. <laughs> let me let me start chatting about this. Um, and we got to do a, a reminiscing show. Maybe maybe tomorrow, Sunday, or something like that. Just get on in, just start talking. No direction, just memories, just stories, and chiming in if you want to come into and put a link out there. If not, put it in the chat room, and I'll talk about it because I got a whole bunch of stories, and we'll just roll like that and have some fun. Talk about the music of the day, the good foods we used to eat, you know, something about those old dirty New York City hot dogs I miss too. You know what I mean? But um, it's just a lot of good, warm memories, man. And just the hot summer nights that I'd go out to the city and explore and, and just talk to people. And that's so embedded in my subconscious mind that I'm like right there right now. And I thank my creator for having allowed me to have those memories safely. You know what I mean? To be able to remember it and think about it and to convey it and spill it back out to those who had similar experiences in that place, whether you're in Chicago, if you're in Compton or Dallas, whatever, there's an equivalent of sweetness from back in the day. Because this whole thing is spread all over the earth. That's the way it is. You know, so um, I have enough memories like a, like a doggy bag that I can eat off of for the rest of my life. Because the worst thing is to come back to a place and realize it's changed so much that you see the buildings, but the people aren't there. You see the spirit isn't there. And it's like a mockery of what you knew it to be. You know, it's like going to a gravesite and expecting to actually talk to the person that's buried. You know what I mean? And, and you got to expect that because times change. And for people who were older, who would come around the neighborhood and say, yeah, back in 1935, you should see across the street from your house was a swamp. Some old white man came and told, wow, really? And see how those houses are built similar? They built those in 1940, whatever, and what, and they had such a clear memory. So us talking like this now, we're in 2023, and I'm talking about the 70s? Clearly? Wow. So they must say, what kind of planet did he come from? <laughs> yeah. Joe Nickbone says, yeah. Okay. Okay, right, right. So you said that before. Yeah, the city is changing. Sadly, the new immigrants stay insulated. They don't even try to connect to the locals, so there is no community. Yeah, in Harlem, yeah, I know, I know, I know. White folks did not want to go across 110th Street. Now, shoot, they looking at you, and so the cabbies got no choice now. 
because, you know, they might pick up a, a, a Caucasian fan to come back downtown. Across, look, it was an imaginary line in Manhattan years ago, 110th Street. They even made a movie across 110th Street, <laughs> right? But yeah, you, cabbies never wanted to go past there. If you took a cab, which I never did, I'd hop on the train and go up there if I had to go. I knew a lot of people up in Harlem I could, you know, kind of crash with. And yeah, you know those stories. But no, they didn't want to go. But now, but, but it had to be that way. Manhattan was, is exploding and expanding. They had, I'm not saying I wanted them to, but ever since uh, uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton got that office in the state building years ago, that was like a silent message for all of them. Like, come on, people. It's okay. It's safe up here. We're here. <laughs> CM says, I remember the block parties, cookouts, dance battles, music playing on the street with jukebox radios, or people were connected. Church, hair salon, seamstress, locksmith. We had it. Yes, we did. That's the world I come from. That's the world I'm going to continue to exude and talk about until we get it together. And for those who don't get it together, well, you're just going to miss the boat because because I'm going to have mine. And I don't mean have, have mine like material possessions. I'm going to have that joy in my heart, and I'm willing to share it, even if you didn't come up in that era, to get a taste of it. You could walk around at night. Joe Neckbone, you know how I used to love to walk around at night. Always met some nice young lady or something like that. Always talking with folks. It was beautiful. You come back tired. You didn't hit a wholesome fast food joint. Like one of them, like, like, like uh, the Rib Shack on, 157, on 157th and Linden Boulevard. That wasn't junk food. That was homemade stuff. But, you know, it was soul food. They had so many spots like that on Sutphin Boulevard in Linden, across McDonald's. They had that fish shop right there. Black owned. We used to walk down Linden Boulevard, turn the corner. The biggest thing is like when they close early, you turn the corner, you see nothing but gates. Like, oh, man, we miss our fish tonight. A lot of times I caught it just on time. You know, just to be just to be on foot and connected with those neighborhoods like that. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Master Glam says here, Queen Red Pill, that's so true. There was a man who went back home to the Dominican Republic with his son a few weeks ago. As soon as he touched down, they were robbed and his son was murdered. That's a damn shame. To even have that hang over your head where that's the possibility. Those weren't things that, I mean, that happened. Things happened in New York and it was maybe a little more intense than other places that were little hick towns in the South or the Midwest. But us growing up there, that that was there, but you had to be in something to get caught up like that. If you got robbed, you got robbed. They let you live. It's crazy. And people didn't do things to people in their own neighborhood. So in your own neighborhood community, you were free. It just doesn't register with me. And if I grew up these days in New York, maybe maybe something bad would have happened because I'm carefree. Joe Nickbone will tell you, that fish house is still there? Well, you know what? <laughs> I love my vegetables, but <laughs> to commemorate my life, <laughs> now they celebrate Indian holidays on Liberty Avenue, just a big uh, uh, holy uh, celebrations a few weeks ago. Yeah, they done pushed you right on out. But um, okay, let me see here. I'm in Harlem. Yes, it's fluffy uh, while our people got pushed. Yeah, we get because we've given up our unity and sense of who we are. We've traded it in. I'm not saying anybody here. We're on point because we're talking about it. But it's lonely to me. 
So a lot of people used to say on one respect, yo, Lance, man, how can you just up and leave and go to another country? What I, what, what I knew was gone. What I, and I know there's pockets of it. I know we can, look, if I was in New York City, Joe Nickbone, I would be causing some ruckus up here because I would be the one having dances, having get-togethers, doing things. We got the internet right, right now. I would be the one making those things happen. Not, not like nobody else has power to do that, but I would take that as my own responsibility and, and manifest those times once again. Good, clean, fun. Yeah, we'd have to have security and check at the door and all that stuff. But anybody who's there, you can put your wallet down to the table and go to the bathroom and ain't nobody going to touch it because there's eyes on it. That's, that's the world I know. And if it can't be, well, I'll be content up in the mountains up here in West Africa, but I will be, when everything is settled, I will be dipping back, back and forth, making little cameo appearances and, and keeping that flow alive. But that's music in my heart that I'm never, ever going to stop listening to. You see what I mean? Kevin Clark in the house. <laughs> oh, Marvin Banks. Thank you so much. I was just, Kevin, I was just telling everybody about the old neighborhood and stuff like that, how things were and how we still have that in the heart. Marvin Banks, thank you so much. You're on Facebook right now. So make sure if you want to in interact with the chat room that's popping, because Facebook is kind of slow for, for the most part. I don't know if I'm shadow banned bad over there, but come on over to Lance Curve on YouTube. YouTube.com forward slash Lance Curve. At the end, there's no E. It's just Scurve with a V, right? And I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're loving it. And um, we all have to have these. Yeah, Queen Red Pill. Men would fight with their hands. Kevin remembers that, those days. Because we, we grew up together. So we got Joe Neckbone in here. And um, you know who Joe Neckbone is, Kevin, but I ain't going to say his government name, <laughs> right? But um. Have the Nefertiti head in your house window. Yeah, King Tut, Nefertiti, the columns, the, the snakes like a pyramid, the light shining on it. <laughs> People used to freak out when they saw that bow window. I was with it from then. CM says, Harlem is dead now. It's boring and gentrified. There's no soul. Only them here now that simplified our neighborhood. If you play music, they'll file a noise complaint. That's messed up. Cook food, they say it's smoke. Damn, that pisses me off. It's like wherever you go where you're free and you can be yourself and have your own, here they come. Seriously. Yeah. Bobby Womack, yeah, across 110th Street. <laughs> yeah, they would be mad at me. I used to play them Farrakhan tapes loud. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, Kevin. <laughs> wow. Oh, so you just had the conversation. Yeah, because it's something we're missing. Where did it go? Like the old Alexander O'Neill song, What's Missing? You know? What you say, Kevin? You don't remember? You don't, you don't remember um, growing up, man? We were talking about that the other day. Wait a second. You didn't get no, no Alzheimer's from the last time I talked, uh, texted you a few minutes ago. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> wow. Beautiful times. And, and, and that's why I am the way I am. It's not because I'm great. It's just that all those around me, we shared love they had their personality. We had fun. We were mannerable. We were respectful. Yes, even in that, I was respectful. You know, I, I never pushed up on some woman in a wrong way. Never that. I had finesse. Maybe a little too, too much finesse, right? <laughs> oh, man. But let me get on with this particular thing I want to say, which really is, I'm enjoying this. I'm not trying to stop it because folks may say, what are you, because it's not going to be long either, you know? 
Ain't there something to rural reality? White people do not want to see black people happy and enjoying life. It's true. They got to find what the source of your joy is and short circuit it, tax it, you know, make you pay for it, make you even the banner here. Like, even though it's a different topic, you somewhere having fun and they looking at you like that. They're having too much fun. (laughs) You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, there's some restriction now on the joy you have. Even if you're living in poverty and have a little fun cooking out maybe in an abandoned lot somewhere. They, you know, you can't even have that. Will they have ways of seeing if you're having sex? I think they're about to have an orgasm. Bust down the door. They can't even have that joy. It irks many of them. Even when we don't have much. That's the beauty of us. That's what they can't figure out. They may have more, some of them, not all of them, because a lot of them are broke too. But even when they have more, they don't have the joy we have, that connectedness that we have. And they don't like it. They don't like it, you know. <laughs> but let me talk about this real quick. I have an interesting point of view here to share. You know, let me change this banner on the bottom here. Um Put my little app advertisement. I got to make some more of these that scroll across the bottom. That's so much to talk about. But yeah, um, do you truly know those in your inner circle? I have to say back in the day, we were more transparent. Today, our lives are so compartmentalized. And of course, you don't go out and blurt out your, your private stuff. But those who are close to us, we knew them. And... Yes, I am giant game. <laughs> and you're right. Soulless people walking around mixed genre faves. They're stripped they're like robots. They're ready, they're ready to be injected with their AI mentality. You might see a friend of yours walking around on robot form. <laughs> Got so much into the technology that stole their soul. But yeah, do you truly know those in your inner circle? Many of you will understand that even on the show. You'll see some people here big time, boom, and they're gone. Oh, there's always a story behind it. But, you know, you stay cool and you keep it moving. Right? But it's so amazing. You put on the news. And I'm just saying this theoretically. Your next door neighbor shot up the mall. But your next door neighbor was into gardening and peaceful and let you hold the tools and had good conversations. She's like, wait a second, where did this come from? You know why? Because there's three components going on here. We have our public life, the life that we show everybody. I'm not saying it's bad, but the life that is somewhat engineered by us because we want to show ourselves in the best light. We go to the job, we're professional. You know, some, some things happen. It's like you got to hold back inside. You know, I'm not going to show that side of me. I'm going to keep this professional. It's that public side that is agreeable with most people. And most of us have sense to show that. And that's the way really it should be. We should be civil all day long, but especially between nine to five or whatever time you work, whatever time you have to go out amongst other people to be cordial, to be mannerable, to try to understand to somewhat be long-suffering if people are abrasive with you to a point. I said to a point. You don't want to be no fool now. You see what I mean? So it's a beautiful thing. Gifty! 
Ah, sleeping with the enemy. You're so right. You just don't know. So when we see the public persona of other people, we accept that that is them. But we have to understand, for the most part, these days, we know when we're being proper. But do we know really what we're dealing with with these others? The others that look like us, us and really the others that don't look like us. This strange world out here. We have so many cloaks and, and so many cloaking devices. So many ways some of us should get awards for the acting that we do. That if we were in a movie, we would be, oh man, we'd get all kinds of awards. Because we're acting different than what we are. And I will accept that if you are in the process of working on yourself personally. You're not going to just take out your personal um, knee-jerk reactions on the world and bring that to the public, bring that to the job, bring that to the career you're in where you're working with other people. You're not going to do that. It's not necessarily being fake when you do, but we all have to have sense and have that filtration system to know, no, we don't do that here. And then we have the personal life. It's all right to keep our personal life personal. And I'm cool with that. See, with me, personally, <laughs> I've morphed all of it together. I'll tell some some things. I'll tell, I've said some things out here so y'all know a lot of my personal life and public life. I mean, I tell every, every, everything. Now, if you're super close to me, I will. I got no problem with that. That's in my DNA. That's in my wiring. I'm just a person who has no shame. Yes, indeed, Gifty. I know. <laughs> uh, and you're right, CM. They can't stand when they see us laughing together because they have to find out why are you laughing? Why? Because you know how much hell you've inflicted on us and we should be in pain and we found a way to have pleasure and unity. You love it when we fight against each other. You love y'all are up on the YouTube videos of the black where there's always some drama. Matter of fact, with the drama black YouTubes, YouTube videos, who you think is watching them more than us? See, we know about all that stuff in our twisted community right now. But they love it because that means that's a precursor for our destruction. Because if everyone in the world sees us on a low vibrational level, guess what? It's easy to want to get rid of us because we have no value anyway. So when you have value and you execute such promise to go to a higher standard of living, they don't like that because they want to see you low so they can put it out there that you're not worthy of life. They don't like that. They creep up on these videos and have little smart things to say, little smart emails to say to me. I say, come on, you so tough. I'm going to show my face. You show your face. I'm going to let you talk. But don't run when I start talking. You see what I mean? I'm, I'm going to defend it because I'm into reality. I'm not into this kumbaya foolishness. I've been around a long time, y'all. 60 years old ain't a million years old, but nobody lives here to a million. I'm getting up there. And I see it's a consistency of what I see. Some will bury their head in the sand, but I won't. But you know what? Even though I'm realistic in what I see, I'll be the last person to have a nervous breakdown because I'm not in denial about things. See? Yeah, Char C. So many masks and people showing the representative not to true uh, them. So much lack of transparency. Exactly. 
I don't have too much mass to, to put on. I don't even have a mask to put on no more. It's just, I never did. Joe Neckbone, I know you're still here. I, I was never a homo. You know what I mean? I love women. I love nice asses. I love nice personalities, pretty faces. I love femininity. I love women. And I respect them. I love the body parts. Look, we made a song about the moments in the whatnots years ago, back in 1974, when I was 11 years old. I used to love that song. My parents knew they didn't have nothing to worry about when I sung that song. They heard me in the room. Girls, I like them fat. I like them small, some skinny, some tall. I got to have them all, you know. Girls love the way things they know, love the things they show. Got to be where they go. Pretty girls, sunshine in the air. Man, what? Beautiful song. And it wasn't sexual. Yeah, I love the body parts and the see that. That's part of it. So comforting, so beautiful. That's comfort for me, even if the woman's not for me. Even if, if it's not for her to touch me, me to touch her, just to be near the energy. And now we got this transhumanism going on, this foolishness going on. I don't want that. You don't see bugs landing on GMO fruits to eat them. You saw the experiment on Facebook where you had the GMO corn and the real corn and the GMO corn was no, nothing touched it. But the real one was. I did that experiment, experiment my own self. Got a watermelon. They lied to me and told me it, it, it was um, seeded. Got home and it was seedless. I cut it in half and put it in the backyard. Left it out there for two or three days. It wasn't touched. And under the sun, it turned into froth. It was seriously something altered. That has no nutrition for me. And that's what we're turning into. In people, we're losing the connection between each other. Where we can talk to each other and vibe with each other, and have a sense of home with each other. I remember doing a long train ride from Washington to New York, and I sat amongst different black folks up there. I think they were going to Boston or something. Man, we had a good time. They were telling jokes and laughing. I added in a joke. They didn't know, but they turned my way. They started laughing, too. Oh, man, you know, oh, man, what's your name? Man, so, so, come sit over here. What happened to them days? And so I'm lighting it up with jokes. They lighten it up with jokes. They broke out the food. No, man, I got you, man. You too funny, man. You add into the conversation. What you want? Some chicken with the potatoes? What? I said, I'll take some of this, this, that. I wanted to go all the way back up to Boston with them. <laughs> yes, Queen Red Pill, look at this. Does anyone really have a personal life nowadays? All of your devices are watching and listening. There's a camera on every corner. I ain't got no shame. They can watch all they want. I'm not saying it to be funny to you. I'm just saying to them, I'm going to be me and live. You know what I mean? I'm going to be me. So what? You know? Yes, the drama black, tube, black YouTube shows is entertaining. Yeah, they love it. They're fighting again. Look at that. They love to get us ticked off and watch us get ticked off. You know? Yeah. It's... it's <sighs> So now we have that personal life. Now, sometimes you'll see your coworker or, ch or, or church member or whatever it is that unites you as far as what you do. And you'll see their spouse. And you're like, wow, you know, I see them relaxed. And that's the spouse, really? They don't really tell you all about it, but you saw it. And you come back to work and you see this person in a different light because you got a peek into their personal life. But their personal life is still theirs. And really and truly, like, 
uh, Queen Red Pill said, we really don't have it. But I was always a person who was like bodybuilding, competition, male stripping, whatever. I don't care if you saw something, you knew it. So that kind of isolates me from the shame that I know this about him and I'm going to expose it. Expose it. I'll tell you something a little better than what you're exposing, right? There's pictures out there floating around of me that were professionally taken and maybe Polaroid taken. <laughs> you know what I mean? People send me stuff all the time. That's, that's you, Lance. Remember when we like, oh, damn. I don't care. I'm human. I'm living life. We're all human. We all have things that we do, things that we like that we're not going to tell the world. And that brings me over into our secret lives. Things that we don't tell anyone. No one knows. And if they get that close to you in your personal life and you afford them a peek into your secret life, they got to be special or they might be a kindred spirit also. And so many of us, our secret lives are diametrically opposed to what we, what we put out there in public. Lots of times it's diametrically opposed to what we or folks know in our personal life. Uncle dies and nieces and nephews find out their little kinky life that they had. He wasn't bothering nobody with it, but I didn't know Uncle Jesse was doing that kind of stuff with all them women. Oh, my God. Let's hope it's women. <laughs> like an old lady across the street from me, they used to let me park my old car and I had that old Benz. We didn't have a driveway, so she let me 25 bucks a month. She used to let me park right there. She was in the middle 70s. When she passed away, they found a crate with all kind of sex toys, a big crate with all kind of sex toys and photos from way back in the 1930s, clear studio shot photos. Dude was photographing orgies. And I'm like, you know, homegirl was fine back in the day, but she lived fast. She didn't do drugs or whatnot, but boy, did she live fast, but she was a character. I would have loved to have her on the podcast because she was slick with the mouth. <laughs> and I guess she was slick with the mouth in many other ways, too. But um, and she hit on me one time. I couldn't believe it. But that was a lady that I took to the um to the function at the Savoy, the last version of the Savoy in the Bronx on 149th Street. Because like I was telling you the other day, 145th in Manhattan turns into 149th. And there were two sides of this ballroom. And it was a church function going on on the left. And there was this thing with all these women with mini skirts and stuff. And I was looking like, oh, man, I'd like to go over that side. I started walking to the left side, knowing, knowing this older woman with her friend were going in. She said, oh, no, baby, where are you going? We ain't going over there with that boring church stuff. We're going on this side. I made a tape about that. I mean, a, a video about that. Emma Bell. And I told that whole story. I might dig it up and drop it in the chat room. Crazy story. It was a gay uh, 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 ball. I said, that's why them ladies were so tall. Come to find out they all knew her. And the dude that was in uh, Paris is Burning, the, the star, the main one that at the end was talking about um, it's just enough to get your successful if you get through life. And that's it. Whatever, whatever. I met that, that dude. Oh, he was in, dra in, in drag. And, and it knew Emma. And Emma was a woman. But but homeboy was like, you better hold on tight to him. And Emma was like, oh, yeah, he's my boy. So I ain't gonna let him go. I was like, oh, my God. 
I felt like that chick walking across by the construction site that had a miniskirt on, and you walking and pulling your miniskirt down. I mean, I had clothes on, but they were ogling me, but I was, I was polite. They were polite too. And there are a lot of real women there also. So as I speak, let me, uh, <laughs> let me see if I can pull this up so you can listen to it whenever you have the time. Oh man, I found it. <laughs> I found it. I found it. <laughs> and the picture that I have on there is not her. It's a picture of Moms Mabley, the comedian, right? So it looked just like her. I was like, yeah, let me just put this photo up there. I wish I had a photo of her. Yeah, okay, let me put this uh, whole thing up so you can check it out later on. When did I make this? This was, this was years ago when I made this. I couldn't tell you now. Let me see. Yeah, this is a long time ago. Okay, here's the link for future reference. <laughs> the link and uh, the name and everything. Okay. There it is. That's a funny behind story. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're live on Rumble right now. I don't know how many people are there. You know, maybe this kind of content may not be something they favor, but you know what? It's okay because we're going to stay. We're going to grow on there, and I will be live streaming from there. And um, because you know, the kind of I'm going to get irritated, irritated genie back on, and we'll be live streaming on Rumble. But I'll put the Rumble embed on the website landscurve.com so you can have that forever chat room that's there, and you can still pop it on Rumble also. So I'm kind of going on Rumble right now, taking a look. Everything is good. Let me see here. Everything is good. I don't see nobody over there. <laughs> but later on in the stats, you'll see they popped in for a few seconds and left. And who is this big head black guy talking? But yeah, we have that secret life. That secret life that no one has any clue. And we do not tell anybody. Most people would never think of sharing what goes on in their secret life. Sexually. Um, what I mean, it's usually a sexual thing, but. It, it, it may be just like so kinky. They don't want to share it. But I, oh, oh, Yala, that word, I'm glad you're here. You know I don't have no shame, right? Remember about a year and a half ago or so, we, um, I put a challenge out. I said, we're going to do an adult show. It's not going to be broadcast anywhere. And y'all can ask me anything you want to ask. And people were afraid to ask questions. And they were like, I ran with some stuff. They're like, oh, my God. He told it. I'll do one of those again. So for me, it's a victory. Not that you want to go tell everybody your business, but that, that you're cool with your secret life. Right? Because, I mean, everybody has a secret life. You remember that show? <laughs> I can't believe I shared some of those things. I mean, I went in. That was a challenge, though. I have no shame, literally. But I don't go out in the world to shame people. I know how to act because I don't want to, you introduce me to a friend and we're hanging out and I'm, I start talking some craziness. You're like, I'm not going to hang up with Lance again. I ain't going to bring around my people. You know, yeah, you asked me some questions. We all, we all have some fun to do that again. <laughs> that was so liberating for me anyway, but not that I needed it because I'm at peace with myself that way. Everybody likes what they like, whatever it may be. Things are formed in us from childhood. It could be good. 
It could be traumatic. But what we are today, we were pushed in a certain direction because of our childhood. Doesn't mean that the trauma made us wacko or it kept us from developing. No. But all of those things, we are so impressionable. And between those single-digit ages before adolescence comes, and even before, when we're just an open slate for anything, we don't differentiate at those early three and four and five-year-old ages like reality from, you know, the fake stuff. When we read comic books, comic books were real to us. And we knew we didn't see anybody flying around in the sky, but our brains accepted it. But it's crazy because, in essence, like we've heard and we've said it before, that the brain doesn't fully develop until you're 25 years old. And I heard it on another program the way the gentleman said it. He said, no, adolescence doesn't end until 25 years. I'm like, whoa. That's the modern day way of seeing it before, before it was a much earlier age. That's why they would say over 18, you're allowed to drink and over eight, you know. But to say it that way, it struck me. I'm like, yeah. We are new as adults, but we don't have as much experience across the board. Yeah, we'll have experience and life experience and stuff, but the overall thing, like me now, I'm in Africa. Today, I didn't leave the house. It was raining. But if I wanted to, I would have. Could have went out there and hopped on the van, got down to the mall and do it. I was like, eh. Moved a little slower today. The old me? I'm (laughs) gung-ho. I'm out there. But maturity lets you know that there'll be another day. Rest yourself. You know, tighten up what you have to tighten up at home. Stuff online for me. This, well, it's always worked for me online. You best believe to set every, to show up multiple platforms and different things. I do a little extra than most people do. I don't, I, I'm not the guru and I don't know everything and I don't do, you know, before a single person. Because, you know, and I'm not saying single, I'm not married. I'm saying doing it on my own like that. Mrs. Skurv covers everything else. So I'm not knocking her and saying, I'll do it on my own. Because if she didn't do the things that she did, I'd have to do it. And I wouldn't be able to do this as good. So still, she helps me. You see? So, um, <laughs> yeah, every, Giant King, that's so funny. It's funny because, see, I learned that back in the days when I used to do the adult entertainment type stuff. Because... It wasn't, it, it wasn't like, it, yeah, it was scary, but the, the, the authenticity of how I answered the questions, you know, and it was almost like, I learned that I'm not trying to shame anybody and you're grown folks. Y'all know the deal about life, but I learned that in those scenarios in, in, in that, that time of my life that you had these women out there, take it all off, take it off. And you do that relaxed. See, they wanted to see, not that you want to see me tense. I'm just saying, I'm coming to the point where Shame has to be somewhere in that room. And us having fun, having shows like that, it's not a shame thing. But that's the way human nature is. Like, if you look at this person and they have no shame, you get shame. It's like, you know how many people on the New York subway system I saw that may have had mental issues? They'll walk over next to you, take a dump. Not right next to you, but you're like, oh, my God. You know, you feel shame for them. Like, look at them. Crazy stuff. So shame has to go somewhere. So it kind of makes you, oh, my God, he did that. (laughs) He had no shame. (laughs) 
And I like that because I'm an uninhibited kind of guy. I, I, I've learned long ago, even with great things or shortcomings, or I tell it, what the hell? Who am I impressing by, by doctoring things up? I've lived a very impressive life who, as a person who wasn't rich or famous, just from, the, just from the connections to people that I've had. Just awesome. So I, didn't, I never had a, a reason to put on airs like that. And so many of us work so hard to put on airs and make things seem a certain way. And I can't have them see me drive this vehicle because it's a jalopy. Or I can't make them see me. I put on 40 pounds or more. I don't care. I can explain. Like, I'm not focused on this part of me right now. I'm focused on this. Uh, and this is why I let this go. Or this or this or this or that. It's real. It's real. <laughs> Y'all got me wanting to go there, right? We're going to do one soon. Just let me know when y'all want to do it. Like on a weekend or whatever. Let me take a sip of this water. Just give me a second. I don't know why. how this water tastes so good at night when I'm doing a show. It just tastes, tastes extra special. Let me get a little more of this. This is so good. Mm-mm-mm. Mm. Woo! <laughs> yes, animals do have spirits and you can vibe with them on different levels. You know? Yeah. <laughs> thumbnail, what you were saying. Yeah. Of a soulless, narcissistic spirit with demons inside of it. That is so true. Just look in the eyes, the mirrors to the soul or the soulless. It's like looking over a cliff and you don't see anything. You don't want to fall in that. And it's an envy. They despise you, especially when you're at peace with yourself. And let me tell you something. As a man or as a human being, it doesn't have to be just a man thing. It can be a woman, too. But as a man, because I am a man. Going back to the show yesterday about the insecure men. I've known a lot of men who just didn't dig me because I wasn't insecure. Like, like I don't think I'm all that. Right. But I'm not insecure. I'm not walking around like I'm Superman. and I'm No, it's not that kind of vibe to make them feel that way toward me. But so many men who even look like they have it going on have so many insecurities. And they don't like you when you're free of them and you're confident. I'm not the man I was 40 years ago. <laughs> no way. But I'm still confident because I know in each phase of life, if you live it right, you have nothing to worry about. Like with a woman who may feel that as she ages, her beauty leaves. It never leaves. Your sensuality never leaves. It's a different way of presenting it to the world. But if you live right, think right, and are right, and accept yourself, and try to correct the things that may not be proper in your life, you have a lifetime to do it, you'll always be attractive. You'll always be attractive. My dear friend, Linda Wood Hoyt, I think she's 80 years old now. Let me, let me, let me, let me Google her. She was always competing in New York City at the time that I was, but she was about, about 20 years more than, older than me. And I remember we did the Harlem Week thing in 1983. Let me pull up some images. Yeah. I'm going to pull up the whole image page. And um, I want to share this. Hold on, I want you to see it. I want you to see it. Let me see, present. 
Share screen. Linda Wood Hoyt. Give me a second to take this banner down and come back. And you'll see it. Hold on. Let me see. Where are you, banner? Where are you? Okay, let's take that down. Okay. Let me take down this background. Background's always popping up. Yeah, we'll take that down. Now I want to make it the full screen thing. Now we're going to start hitting different pictures. Now she ain't 80 years old in every picture here now, right? But <laughs> this is the way I remember. I know this was, um, okay, that's a tiny photo. All right, let me see here. What is this here? They're tiny. I want to, I want to make them bigger. You know, they may take it to the whole site. I, want, I don't want to do that. Okay, here she is at 80 years old. Let's see what site that is. I don't want to stay. Oops, it's a YouTube video. I don't want to play it. <laughs> or at least play the sound. Because that's how they really get the copyright straight. I'm not going to stay here too long. Linda Wood Hoyt. No, that, that that's not her. They use this one of these videos, like one of these videos they're putting together. Let me see. That's not her right there. That's her right there. They're mixing everything up. I guess they're giving her a bio when she was born. Yeah, I always knew she was like 19 or 20 years older than me. So they're giving a little story. I'm not going to stay there long. I want to see how she is now. What is this? This, this? this is one of these old fake behind made videos. Let me see. Let's, let's get out of here. Let's go back. I want to see her. She was always, I always had a secret crush on her. She never knew. <laughs> From back in the day. Well, she's 80 now, but she's not 80 in all these pictures, but she was definitely pretty much over 50. I don't know how I got on this topic, but I'm bringing it up. She, oh, she, she has, she's, oh yeah, the ageless beauty. If you take, you don't have to be like buff and into bodybuilding and all that stuff. No, you don't have to do all that. Put this banner back up. Okay. Yeah. But it's, if, you, if you do what you have to do across the board in life, you may not be able to run as much. I can't whip the 20 year old me, but I think I can because I'm, I'm slicker. <laughs> Give me three rounds. I, you know, I might still take them out, but um, no, nah, no. Nah. Embrace yourself, accept yourself, cleanse yourself, heal yourself. You'll, you always have a chance at that. Don't let anything pull the wool over your eyes and think, well, I didn't live my best days behind me. It, it, it may be a different type of best days. You see what I mean? Don't compare it to what was. Be the best you can now. Because you got to understand that what you are now 20 years from now, you're going to be looking back on what you are now. And if you're thinking, if all you did was look back in the past, what do you have to do? What, do you, what are you going to look back on now? So do what you got to do now. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's just, I don't know. That's why I look at these children these days that are always on social media, texting each other, not really having the real connections that we, we had what are they going to talk about 
20 and 30 years from now. Oh, <laughs> we sure had a good time texting each other, FaceTiming, LOLing, not really laughing, not really spending time. I remember spending time with my friends until we fell asleep and we'd spend the night over by their house. You know what I mean? And we laughed and laughed and went down to the kitchen and ate food and laughed and fell asleep on the couch. And, you know, they had to pull out the other cot, we'd asleep. They'd give me a t-shirt, some shorts, I'd sleep, get up, wash. I might stay the whole next day or go home and change and they come by me. Just overwhelming bliss and connectedness to each other. You see? It's a beautiful thing. Tracy J, you must be just coming in. I didn't see you because I was not looking at the uh, chat room for a while. And that's what we're missing. And I think those of us who know that type of joy, we're suffering the most. We suffer the most. Those who never had it, never knew it. And this, this wicked, you know, I mean, the man-made world is the wicked world. We know the, the world of nature is, but so many of us are sold out to that. And these things that they make now are such an attractant to these children and these youngsters that they really don't know. They won't have that anchor in their life. So when they get older, they can look back on the wholesome times. They, ha they don't have that. They grew up in a world with a, a hater. How you, hater? Yeah, we had haters all the time, but the focus wasn't that. You know the song years ago, Smiling Faces, Sometimes Pretend to Be Your Friend. We, it was always around. But now so many people, it's like almost... Not everybody, but everybody is a hater to somebody. I'd like to think that it's not that way. I'm not saying anybody in this chat room. But all I'm saying is that it's just based on all of that. But what happened to the love? Where is the love? Where is the love? <laughs> but we can use the technology like we're doing now to have warm moments of togetherness, no matter where we are in the whole world. Yes, Kevin, I thought you were gone. <laughs> I thought you were gone. <laughs> yeah. But they don't have that. <laughs> Kevin said you're still a wild man. Yes, I am. And you know, because when it comes time to write that book or make that documentary, they're going to be asking. You know when you have, like, like they had Muhammad Ali and they might do a documentary, but they have Ernie Shavers, Larry Holmes, Ken Norton, George Foreman, different people. Like my, I remember Muhammad, me and him. And they tell stories that nobody knew. Well, you're going to be in there. <laughs> yes, he knows me wilder than most of you will ever comprehend. So I can't lie. <laughs> Yo, I'd love to get in his head. Come on, Kevin. One day we got to do a show where you come on. It ain't going to be super public, right? Where you come on and our inner circle comes in. And you spill it. Spill. I can't do nothing to you. I'm way. I can't. I can't put my hand over your mouth. Make you stop talking. I'm in. I'm in West Africa. You're still on the East Coast. <laughs> You're right. Mixed genre faves. We are all villains in somebody's reality or in somebody's head. And that's the thing. You know, um, it's usually in somebody's head because they'll despise you for something that they're lacking in their world or something they didn't do or some regret that they, they hold that, that you have nothing to do with. But you, 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 you bring it out in them because in that area of their life, you're doing what they're not doing 
or what they feel they should do. I mean, maybe they, if you don't care about what, you know, we all have our things. There's things we all like to do and like to watch, like to, it's a big world out there. We can't do everything, you know, but do the things that bring you joy. If you start with that, you'll be so much better. And, and what you have that brings you joy may not be the thing that does it for me. But if I'm close to you, I'm going to understand why it brings joy to you. And I might even indulge in it a little bit. But we're all individuals and I can't knock yours and you can't knock mine. You know, Raw Reality says it's all mind control. They are constantly sending signals to people to get them to think a certain way. You are absolutely right. In the engineering of our entertainment. There's so much stuff that I learned recently that I'm not at liberty to share, but in indirect little sprinklings of ways I will do that. But just understand that with TV, with movies, even social media, some of the posts that YouTube and other social media platforms will allow to get through. But on these videos that I've been doing recently, like this, talking about human nature, which I want to focus on more. Yeah, I'm going to talk about the whole thing and, and anything that could harm us as black people. I'm going to talk about that. But they'd rather me be, you know, whitey, whitey this and whitey that. And white. They like that, actually. You see what I mean? They like that because we've made them the focus of our world. And they get a thrill from that. But when you build your own community and you, you're, you're into the healing of your own people, self-sufficiency, they have no part in that. They don't want to see that for you. They want to see you fighting. They want to see the black man cussing out the woman and saying, oh, MGTOW, men going their own way. And, and sisters, oh, I don't need no black man. They ain't good, no good, no way. They like that. And they like to go in in a hybrid fashion and become what you're supposed to be. I'm going to the white man. Hey, look, the white men breath stink too. The white men beat their wives. The white men are alcoholics too. And I'm not saying too like we are that, but some of us are that. But if you step on the other side and really see what's there, you'll come running back. <laughs> you'll come running back because I've seen it lots of times. I'll be in a restaurant with me and Mr. Scurve, and I treat her nice internally, externally, inside and out. But I, but I, I amp it up a little bit when I see that sister with the white man. Women walk by with tight dresses on, and that sister over there, I, I'm going to watch him because I know he's going to cut his eye and try to look at her ass. <laughs> and when they see you, it's like they get uncomfortable. And they get like that dog that wants the biscuit. Now, I'm not knocking all black women. I'm seeing those types. <laughs> There's a black man over there treating his woman good. And I wish I had that. Now I feel like I'm somewhere foreign in a foreign land sitting here with this white man with this little pecker I got to deal with later on. <laughs> I want to come back home. <laughs> you should have never left. Believe in that stuff. Miss Tversation in the house. I love you. I love all of you. <laughs> this brings so much joy. And to see my good friends from growing up come on in, that, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Wow. Like Queen Red Pill just said, 
whatever you send out to me, good or bad, will come back to you. You choose. That's right. That's right. I know that I'm protected. I'm not going to run out there in the middle of the highway in front of a truck and say that, but I, I'm, I've been so protected in my lifetime. I've taken a lot of risk with different things and just crazy. Like Kevin said, you're still a wild man. <laughs> in certain ways I am, but I've been protected. I'm not going to roll the dice and, and take a chance on that. I'm like, whoa, life moves fast. I got to 60 unscathed. Yeah. Touched emotionally and different things that hurt me, but some of these bullets that hit people out here, that could have hit me and me not be here. Wow. It's something, but yeah, most people, you will not know their secret lives. And it could be a deadly thing also. You know, if you knew their secret lives, you would probably wouldn't want to deal with them even on a public level and try to ignore. Do we know the person that we're laying next to in the bed? Do we know the person that is really close with us? I know my friends here who I grew up with, we know each other's sugar, honey, iced tea. Real close. Things that we'll take to the grave, so to say. And, and that's another thing, the loyalty and, and the honesty and, and, and just the integrity to hold certain things, to still love your friends, even when they show you and reveal their frailties or different things that the world may not understand, to look past that and say, hey, this is a human being who's opened up to me. I know their public side. I know their personal side. And now I know their secret life. And it's a good thing that they see that you still love them no matter what. That it's unconditional. He woke me up with that mess. <laughs> we keep saying that. We got to tell the story. Not now. We're going to tell the story. We're going to tell all these crazy inner, inner circle jokes we got. <laughs> uh, that's all. That's all. It's more than a friend. Our friend Junior, Juan Rivera, who owned the gym on, on Kevin's block. which His block was three blocks away from mine. I used to, I lived on that block. And um, Puerto Rican descent good family. And, and he was such a wholesome guy. He was, a, uh, he was in Vietnam. Well, he was a Marine, right? Right, Kevin? Yeah, it is hard to find true friends, you know? And when fake people lose true people and didn't really understand how valuable they were, the curse is that they'll never find somebody like that again in their life. So for all people who have been hurt or backstabbed, the best thing you can do while your friends are involved in a relationship, whatever it may be, don't hold back. Kill them with your sweetness. Meaning that pour out to them. Don't worry if, unless you see red flags, right? You're in a relationship, pour out to them. Give them all the love, do it good. I don't mean just something sexual, but if you make dinner for them, do it good. You make love to them, do it good. You're taking a walk around the park, make them laugh, make them, make, make them just, ah. Oh, and they have this in their heart to stab you. Let them go find out how hard it is to find someone like you. So kill them with the sweetness proactively because they have a memory. They're not no psychopath. They're going to think about it like, damn, I sure miss so-and-so. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's right. She said, I, I reintroduce myself to myself daily and I'm always learning something new. This is the thing. I heard a quote the other day. Never forget who you are. 
Remind yourself, even when you feel a little down, say, wait a second. I know who I am. Get up and let's produce. Get up and exude. Get up and change the world in your world. I don't mean the whole world. Let's not try to be heroes for everybody and they just suck us down to nothingness. But in the way that you can change life for those around you. That, that it's not about how famous you become. Like the quote says, this, I didn't make this up, but it's making them remember you in your, how they remember you in your absence. And so when me, and yes, yes, that's right. Kevin Clark right here. He's my brother. He's my friend, but he's more than a friend. He's my brother. We're family. So we are still very close friends to this day. Still great friends for over 40 years and still going strong. When we text each other, sometimes you may not understand. We, like what he said, we'll be with that mess. We know what that means, right? So we, we, <laughs> we'll go half a day throwing jokes that some of us forgot or whatever. Remember when this one was doing this or whatever? That's a joy. That's a connection to the past that was so sweet, but it's here today. You see what I mean? It, it's an honor. And, and Kevin is a gift to me. Joe, Joe Neckbone, Jack Griffin, it's a gift to me. And all of you here in the present are gifts to me. It doesn't have to be just the time, but the depth. So you may not have known me as long as Kevin has, Right? But the depth of our friendship now in the present can, can feel, you know, like when they say, well, it's literally outside, it's 40 degrees with the wind chill, it feels like it's 25, right? But the intensity and depth. And then that's a good reflection on my report card. You say he knew him for all these years. Jack Griffin, both of you were on last night. And I told them how you both but then in January of 1980, when I was getting ready for the first bodybuilding contest, which I knew I wasn't going to get a choke, but I had to start somewhere. <laughs> Long before that. You know, I mean, we have some, I'm not saying like we were boys, but like boyhood stuff, right? I remember I was, uh, my nostrils were open one night. And we had a, Kevin's family had a really great, they used to throw good home, like parties, like wholesome family, friends, and they embraced me and, and, and embraced me like I was family. Just so much fun in, in Kevin's household. But everybody was respectful. It, it was utopia. Kevin, you know, I could never stay from over there by your house. You know what I mean? And hanging out and, you know, look at that. Yeah, and we always will be. That's right. That's right. And I remember I had the promise of uh, <laughs> a certain entanglement. <laughs> this had to be like, what, 1980 or something like that? <laughs> and I wasn't equipped uh, with a raincoat for the rain, if you know what I mean. So I was asking friends in our age group, remember with Baron, Kevin, <laughs> all the drugstores were closed, so I needed a raincoat. <laughs> I was like, yo, I need a bag, man. I, a, I was fiending for it. He was like, all right, all right, I got some at home, man. Let me go and get 
And Kevin the next day, he's like, you are crazy. You are, I need a bag. I need a bag. And then, of course, he's going to amp it up to make it funny. You know it's true, Kevin. <laughs> That's why he's laughing. <laughs> he's being nice about it. I'll tell it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What's your take on that uh, mixed genre faves? You know, because I had that thought, too. Like, when they turned on the 5G towers, something else would be activated. Because I know living in Orlando, before we moved out, and we were by in-laws house and stuff like they were making a big deal about like with the whole uh, curfew but as soon as the curfew came and at nighttime they were hustling putting up the 5g towers and of course if you were going to work or coming back from work the cops wouldn't bother you if they pulled you over okay but they didn't want people out there and they had people coming around the neighborhood in the daytime oh do you know we're putting up 5g towers oh do you and i lied Oh, it's going to make your internet better. I don't have any internet. <laughs> That's funny because you all know me and what I do, right? <laughs> I got to have internet. Not that I have to have it. If it shuts down, I'll accept that. <laughs> a friend with, a fiend with it. <laughs> yeah, you remember. <laughs> I don't want to miss that opportunity that night. <laughs> yeah, but um, that's the thing. And you're right, Giant Game. And that's a friend to keep you protected. Wow. Yeah, let me see here. You have to be around a person long enough for the representative to wear off. Then you can assess the true person. Listen, our representatives with each other, there wasn't none, but it wore off at, shortly after we connected because we were like, it just was never there. Because we were younger, so it didn't have a chance to develop and whatever. So we grew into each other. You know what I mean? And we knew the vulnerable things that we've been through, the things that may have be embarrassing or what we knew these things about each other. We laugh about it, but I won't tell anybody else's stuff. I'll always tell mine. I have no problem with anybody telling my stuff. That's just the way I am. You know, yes, mix, mix genre. He is, he is, he's a very solid person. The person that would, you know, God rest his souls, his parents would be proud of. And they, they knew him that way before they transitioned. And as a son, I have to say the way he treated his father in his last days, even in life though, but like he, he was there every day, every day. There's staff there, but he cleaned them, shaved them, all that stuff. The particulars, we'll leave it alone, but I'm just saying that loyal to the very end, very solid. This is me saying it. So if something happened to me and you see, give him the props and love. Give it to him now when you see his name. We, we talk, you know, sometimes he may, you know, we're both of a certain age, of course, so it's not a shock that a person may have a grandchild or just responsibilities or whatever have you. So some days, days a day might go by where we might throw one text or whatever. Sometimes we throw a whole bunch and sometimes we get on the phone and speak for hours or whatever. But there's always that. It's just like the old days. Except, you know, we have more responsibilities now. I'm a little more free, but I'm way over here. But still, we always make time for each other. And we have mutual friends that I've met through him. And we grew up in the same neighborhood, so we know all those same people. So it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> the succubus had me. Yes, yes, yes. I had a succubus addiction, didn't I? I love a good succubus session. <laughs> for a long time, maybe a little longer than what it should be. But yeah, 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 yeah. That was my crack. Yeah. Kevin can tell you, but still, 
you know, I still got through. I had control to a point only when I allowed myself because I know I knew that certain things destroyed great men when they got into it too much and they lost their senses. Yeah. So I had control in one sense. When I decided to lose control, it was on and popping. Raw reality says the human body conducts electricity. So with this poison in them, when they turn on the 5G, it's going to amplify the signal the poison gives out. I always felt that. You know? Oh, no, I can go on more and more, man. You deserve more props than that because um, it, it averages me up to be so close with you. I'm a better person from knowing you and being around you. You know, we all, and as younger men, you know, as teenagers, you know, we did some crazy things, nothing bad. Because anywhere we were, nothing bad was going to go on. But we had our, you know, a little um, conundrums and different things and stuff like that. But it was, it's so harmless when you compare to what young men do. You know, our stuff was harmless. Our stuff was amusing. It hurt no one. And we were a plus to wherever we would go. And we would correct each other. You know? Remember the time when I was making fun of the guy and he, would, he said he was a wino, and I said something to him? And Junior came in and he says, no, no, he's an elder. He's older, he's older than you. What, what did he say? He's older than you. You got to show him respect. You can't talk to him like that. And even in our texting now and phone calls now, if I say something the way that he doesn't understand, he'll correct me. Like, um, remember the guy there we were talking about the other night, I think it was around 1980, and he had the girlfriend on the block. And he, would, he didn't live on my block, but he would walk down the block. But he was always looking at me menacing. He was a young guy who was insecure, having a pretty girlfriend. So he had to act tough. And it pissed me off that he was staring me down like that. So... I would do like Mr. T even before Mr. T was famous and it made that movie. Hey, pretty lady. <laughs> and it would piss him off and he'd put his hand in his pocket and he'd stare at me like he had a gun in his pocket, but he would never do anything. That was just like a show of machismo to show his woman that he's tough, but he was insecure. He probably beat her when he got home. Like, And then one day I, I saw her alone. I said, listen, I'm going to stop doing that because I, I know he's the kind of guy that will probably want to put his hands on you and maybe think that maybe something's going on. But he started it. He definitely started it. He kept doing that. I wasn't paying her any mind like that. You know, I would never be disrespectful to anybody like that. You know? So, um, oh, yeah, he's a grown man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Kevin, Kevin, he wasn't on the show talking, but he, he was in the chat room briefly. And he spoke to Jack Griffin, who... We all grew up together, Jack Griffin, right? And it was funny to see them both in there. It's like it brought me so much joy. There's a bunch of us together, you know. Even the other one across the street, I won't say his name, but uh, SG, you know, who, who, who had the sharpest comedic skills you could ever think of. <laughs> and I know he moved away, so I didn't get a chance to know him really good. You know, and there's other secondary people that we all knew, but like the core of us, you know, and Kevin's a great boxer going into the gym and training and stuff like that. It wasn't long, but he had fights and, you know, trainers were saying how he was going to destined to be a great fighter. And these are, these are, 
these are not like trainers who are like local people who think they know something. These are guys who train world champions because a lot of world champions came through that gym. You know what I mean? Remember the guy? What's the guy's name? Gene. Remember him? Work me over. Work me over. This dude was like so muscular. It was a white dude. So muscular. Looking back, this dude had to be hitting some cycles. And I remember I got in there. I think I was like 15. And we were boxing around. And I was like, this guy was punching him and everything. But he never ended up being anything. He looked apart, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who you say, oh, yeah, he reached out to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Let me see here. Yeah, he had no legs. He had no legs, all upper body. But I felt confident a little more after, you know, sparring with him that one time. I think it was one time. You know, you'd, take, you'd get somebody who didn't even look the part and heard him knock him out. Muscles don't make you tough. Let me take a sip of this water, y'all. Ah, yeah, so I want to do that tomorrow night. Have like a little sentimental night. Talk about things, you know, just how the world is different, what we can do to make it better. And that's why I love doing this, because if I could bring us together on that level and create a platform, and I just love the thought of the conference room where, the conference line where you can talk and get to know and just listen in. It's just getting better and better, you know. And I put a little part on landscurve.com um, for the conference line. What did I call it? Let me look again. I think I called it some other funny name. I'm going to call it something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had the regular discussion forum, and I call it Cafe Scurve. I used to have some shows where we were talking late at night, and I said, yeah, Cafe Scurve. Because like, if you imagine, like, it's a cafe, it's like a bar and grill. Not that you're going to be a wino in there or whatnot, but you can have a few drinks and get something to eat, laugh, and talk. There's always cabs outside if you don't have a car. You know, that, that kind of concept. Music is playing. It's adult. We can flow in the conversation. We don't have to do no ebonics. You know what I mean? We don't have to deal with any ignorance or the women are respected. The men are gentlemen, but we can get raw, but still be, at the end of the day, respectful. Y'all know I can go raw, but it, it's no venom behind it. It's no, you know, if it calls for it, I'm going to say it. You know, I just had to say it. <laughs> That's what it is. But you know what? I should move everything over to the conference line. And I promise, you know, I got so much to do tomorrow, but I'll come back with a show that's not heavy because we got in, into reminiscing. So it kind of I didn't get everything out, but it's OK. So I said a few things. It's OK. I can talk about these things on another show under another title and breeze through it and whatever. But this this was fun. You're right, Tracy J. <laughs> it's not for the week. You're right about that. <laughs> We're going to pick one night. We just go all out and I'm going to. Make it happen. Yes, indeed. Your mix genre faves is always speaking real. Master Glam, Tracy J, Queen Red Pill, everybody. You know. And yeah, yeah. Our friend Joey. It was ride or die before there was such a thing as ride or die. I'm talking about if anybody threatened you, you, you know, it, it, it um, <laughs> would you say giant game? Last well, me that drink sounds so good. I had to give you some. <laughs> Yes, yes. But he would ride or die. Joey, very muscular, in shape. This guy had a heart of a lion. 
this, he was not a bully. He was a loving friend. He loved everything peaceful. But if he even thought that you meant to threaten any friends, he'd chop them. I'm talking about he'd chop them down with his fist. You know, I never saw all of the times he did it, but I was there a couple of the times. And this guy was no joke. The guy that's strong. And he had the killer instinct. He wasn't some guy trying to be tough. But when it came time, when he was faced with a challenge of somebody around him being threatened, nobody messed with him. And a few times they did, they found out they were always knocked out on the ground, crawling away. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like that. And this is back in the 70s. And these are the kind of friends I have. And he was, he was ride or die. We have another friend. I won't even mention his name. But that other one who he, he, he went through changes and he wasn't so sincere at the end of the day, but he was around us. But this other one now was always looking to pick a fight and he wasn't no fighter. He acted like that. He acted tough. You know, he'd pick on soft touches and really go to pick on soft touches. My other friend, Joey, was not like that. He'd come to the house. Him, Kevin, will be at the gym by his house. Beautiful times. Laughing, having fun, and drives. Man, those years for me wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for Kevin and you know, Jack Griffin, Joey. And we were all interchangeable. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, you know, we all had, we all had that, that thing going on. And, and the thing is that they all, yeah, 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 yeah. Joey was a great boxer. Yeah. Especially in the street. Oh, my God. You know? And, and after everything was over, it's like he, he put the weapons away and he's like real cool and quiet and laughing or whatever. Very respectful. You know? And the thing is, is that we all knew each other's families, each other's parents, you know, each, everything, like everything, like, like it was nothing, no big thing. Like, Oh God, they're coming over. We don't know these people. No, come on in. And Kevin's parents, God rest their souls were always so hospitable. Remember the time we got to tell it. We got to tell it, Kevin, when that thing happened to me, when those uh, cops, you know, put me through all that physical trauma. And um, I was in Chinatown, the Chinatown of Flushing, Queens. And the cops were following me. Undercover cars were following me. Things were rough in those times. And I'm thinking, is this fake? Am I imagining this? I'm driving, right? I turn a corner, you see another one. They were definitely hogging the radio and following behind me. Maybe because I was black in that part of town. No, yeah, a lot of black folks coming through on the bus and shopping and everything. Wasn't driving fast. The car was kind of new. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I guess they thought what they thought. But it got in the hand. I really got, because it was like post-traumatic stress. It, it, it was. It is. I do have that. I never went to a doctor, but I know. I deal with it. It keeps me sharp. I use it for my advantage. But I was still traumatized by what happened. So I pulled up in this underground or like this below this um, building. And I got out. And I guess they didn't see me. I got out and called. I called Kevin's house. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody met up over at Kevin's. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I called him and I was shook. And it was his father that drove all the way. Him and Kevin came all the way over there to get me. You know, 
because who knows what they were planning to do. And I was shook. And, and even Kevin's father, God rest his soul, was just like, what's wrong with Lance? They knew what happened, but they probably didn't understand the severity of what it did to my psyche. And so I don't know who drove my car. I think, did your father drive my car, Kevin? I'm not sure. You, you, you or him drove that car because he could, you know, he had status in the community. You know what I mean? With his profession. And um, we got home safe. But I was shook because that was, that was trauma. But they really were following me, you know. Oh, you drove the car and I wrote, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing about you. You got a memory on you. I got, I got a memory on me with certain things, but. <laughs> yeah, I was shook that day. I ain't gonna lie. Because it was like, they, they come to kill me or something, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think he drove the car because if they came after the car, he'd straighten them out, let them know who he was, you know, at that time. Yeah, but I was, I was <laughs> so glad to see y'all. And, and that's, that's family. You could have brushed me off, you know, but they did that for me. And it made me feel so, you know, because I always wanted a relationship with my brother, but we all know he was on drugs. He's 11 years older than me. But Kevin and, and just the whole core group, they gave me that, that brotherhood that we have to this day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But listen, y'all, let, let, let's go on to the conference line for a little while. If you want to come through tomorrow night, we'll do something along the lines of reminiscing or talking about the good old days and bringing it up and getting philosophical, tell a few jokes and everything. We'll do it that way. To the Rumble folks, thanks for coming through. Whoever came through, I'm new over there, but I, I learned how to live stream over there, so that'll take time to build up. It's still all about what we do here. I still have yet to reach out to Irritated Genie. As soon as he can come through, we'll have him on landscurve.com, which will be on Rumble, but I will embed it on the website so we can vibe there without ever having to hold back because one of the shows that I had, or two of them with Irritated Genie, it's on Rumble. And I have it embedded onto landscurve.com where YouTube shut me down and banned me for a week just for having them on. And we didn't say anything bad. Just because, you know, of what he's done in life. And they don't like that, you know? But I, um, it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. And um, I just want to keep everything going while we are alive and get the good vibes going and have a place where we can feel good and talk and open our, open up and talk the way we want to talk without any kind of restrictions. It's a beautiful thing. It's for our mental health because we know that this society and the powers that be behind it want us all disconnected, hating each other and dying off because our hearts are broken because to make us feel like we don't have anybody. If I can't give you a million dollars, I can give you a kind word and some time and lend you my ear. Maybe give you some advice and some wisdom, what little I have. And that's all we have is the present and the memories we create because those things last a million years. Trust and believe. Kevin being here is a testimony to that. He knew my parents so well. He's part of the family. My father would, you know, remember my father would crack, uh, crack jokes when you shaved down your head when you were going for that particular job? And he would always say little things at the time you tricked us when we got in that truck. You know what Kevin did one time? 
<laughs> he's a prankster too. Me and my, my father was home and he wanted to go up to check up this guy who, had, who was a mechanic named Mitch and his car was up there. And so he was like, oh, I got to go up there. I got to walk up there to check up on it because I think it was going to be ready. So Kevin had his regular car, but it was parked like down the block or something like that. And I wasn't thinking. So he said, oh, okay. Something to the effect of, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'll take you. Don't worry. I'll take you and drop you up there. So Kevin, it was a house next door that had parked on the street, a pickup truck. <laughs> so Kevin opened the door and said, come on, I'll take you. And so he hopped behind the driver's, you know, the driver's seat. It looked convincing. And I'm thinking, maybe this was one of his brother's trucks or something. I don't know. So my father hopped in the car and he was joking with him. He's like, hey, man, what's all this shit you got in the car, man? What's all this shit? It was some. <laughs> I jumped in. Kevin jumped out. He said, this is not my truck. My father got up out of that truck so fast. He was mad, though. You could have got me shot out here, which that wasn't the kind of neighborhood it was. But, you know. He, he's a business guy and he knows the streets and everything. So he was mad walking up the block and me and Kevin, we, Kevin was driving and he was trying to convince him, come on, it was only a joke. It was only a joke. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, man. <laughs> so we have not only the memories of each other, but we have the memories of our families and little inside jokes and little things. Have you private things? You know, there's certain things I would not, you know, out of respect, but I'm just saying that most of it is stuff we can talk about. You know, and, and that we talk about these things every day and, and it bonds us that way. So that this kind of undergirds me. So I can in, with everybody here in the chat room, friends like Ke uh, 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 Kevin and Jack Griffin, Joe Neckbone. Man, I feel blessed to the utmost to have survived and lived this long to create so much memories and to still be able to say to you all that I love you all and that I love you, too, Kevin. And um. Like I said, we can say that because we've come through so much. We're still standing, you see. And um, Master Glam. <laughs> it's a thug life, right? <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Let me see here. An online job called Two Capture, which you can Google as a, a little side job if you're looking for multiple things to do. They pay you in different ways. Wow, because I know someone who's looking for some online work. So, mix genre, if you have any connection to anything, you know, that you can just go in and do. You know, there's a sister I have here that um, she asked me. And I'm like, hey, you know, I wouldn't mind doing something for a couple hours, even though I do this stuff. I got time of my day. I'll do it. <laughs> Every bit counts. So, yeah, hit me at Lance at Landscurve.com, whatever. So, you know, Kelly Land. Yes, I got to know those people in my inner circle. I noticed that family members are wicked as hell. You are so right. That is the story of my life out here in Ghana. Woo! The secret lives and secret agendas really come out. And they really get pissed off when they show their hand and they didn't sink you. They realize that you took that situation and made it something that it can, can make you better. What, well, if folks think I was going to stop doing the stuff online? I'm doing more than ever before, and it's getting better. Not on the ego level, but when you know people are trying to tear you down. You know? It's, it's a crazy thing. I got into a domestic violence. I jumped. I got jumped by my sister's son, and this, 
his this world is going to yep i'm telling you you're so right it's those you know when you do have it where you have a halfway good family whatever you know you can't take that for granted and family doesn't just mean that you're a dna share there'll be people who will replace them who may not have the same bloodline but they'll love and respect you just as much it will come you deserve it if you're a good person you deserve it you know Anyway, <laughs> I want to go. I'm going to come over there for a little while. I don't have to jump up as early. You and Mr. Skirt are going to make a run them all, but we don't have to jump up as early. And I have to clear off the one camera where I have the footage walking around. Very colorful footage. It was very nice. Probably like about maybe 40 minutes of it. Because it was so hot, the camera kept overheating. And I was so mad. I was like, man. At one point, I'm walking around the camera. I had it down by my side because it's so small. I could still get the footage good. I walked in, I said, man, when did this thing cut off? But I know, I know I got a good amount and I can't wait to see it. And I'll put it up as his own separate clip so you can see it, not just at the end of something, you know, we'll make it that way. But here's the number to call for the conference line, 321-521-2515. It was lit last night. Oh, it was lit. It was lit. I can't say I listened to everything, but we got, look, you come in, you got to mute your phones if you're t not talking. If it's a long extended time because there was a TV or something playing toward the end, I think most people would have stayed longer if a person didn't fall asleep and had the TV on so loud, which just disrupted everything. And technically, I should be there to monitor these things. But, you know, I doze off too. You know, I was up from early to stay today, but I don't want to ever deny anybody, you know, the chance to have a good conversation without especially our sisters, to feel hawked by these men. Hey, girl, what's your number? Hey, can I get with you? So why can't we have an intelligent conversation? Oh, nigga, you always trying to be in the friend zone with these hoes, man, so and so and so. No, you always hawking them for stuff. Maybe you'd have more play if you had an intelligent conversation and let them get to know you. Come on, man. You know? You, you, you the Negro that always eats the good chocolates out the box and puts the other ones you don't want to, you bit into it and put it back. <laughs> always messing something up. That's why some of the women, you know, they, they got issues these days because of these guys where they come off sometimes. That's why, look, I had a WhatsApp uh, group room. was working fine. It's just like Telegram, but I think more people are on WhatsApp. So I'm going to have one of those also, but I'm going to say it from now. Any fellas... It come out the wrong way, unless it's a cons consenting situation. I wouldn't know about it then. Do what you do. But we had some some guys on there. It grew a whole lot. And you know, whichever way, say, for example, if me and Kevin, or I put Kevin in that Lanskerve community WhatsApp chat room, I will see him in the room as Kevin Clark. But if I don't know you and you come into that, Community, I'll see your number. So a lot of dudes would hear a comment from somebody who identified themselves as a female or something like that, and everybody's vibing and talking and getting to know each other. And then out of nowhere, this one particular person started getting dick pictures, man. And, and just the proposition, and after getting to know the person on that level, they just came out. It wasn't like, he did it the right way and say, listen, I saw your photo. You're very attractive and you're very intelligent. 
you're a woman, I'm a man. We understand that part of it, but I really would like to get to know you better. Seriously, all due respect. If it goes past anything or something develops, that's beautiful. But I like your vibe. What Say what you got to say, man. We know what things can happen after the things kick off. Why are you running to that? And, and just, you know, I killed the room. I, I, I was so mad. We had moderators put in place. After a while, I just killed the room, man, because other people started that foolishness. So I have to closely monitor. And I'm going to embarrass and ridicule anybody who comes out the wrong way or one of the sisters. Like, again, if y'all have a discussion, you want to take it out of the community room and it gets intimate and what that's beautiful. I ain't going to know it. And it's not some disrespect if it's mutual. But you just come in there and disrespect and start talking all this kind of mess. I saw your Facebook, girl, your titties are big. No, man. No, 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 no. Not acceptable. No way. I ain't going for it. I understand it. I just don't understand it. They ain't going on around where I'm, but you know, like I said, if y'all want to do something, y'all do it. Do your thing. We're adults. We have needs. We have desires. What attractions? I understand that. But don't just come in there thinking you're just going to get up in somebody's stuff just like that. I don't want no no finesse men around me in, in anything I create. And if anybody comes at you a certain way and you don't warn them, and they, you'll let me know. I will, I will give a cyber beating on their ass from, from West Africa. They're sending you pictures and stupid stuff. Give them to me. I'm going to post them up and put their net. Because, you see, they still do stuff like this and different whatever. And they, they can't help themselves. They can't help themselves. They probably know good in a bit anyway. <laughs> uh, wow, you're always saying some deep stuff, mixed genre. I learned it from you so much. Especially the other day when you said there are three different types of melanin. You can't trust all of them. That was deep. Oh, man. So much wisdom floating around here. But you're right, Tracy J. Yeah, let's let's slide on over there, and um, I want to hear some voices. <laughs> you know what I mean? That'd be so nice. So yeah, there was a special song that I was gonna search for, but my particular platform that gives all this music didn't have that particular song. So I'm sorry for disappointing someone. Someone who's listening very silent right now. You know. So I'm gonna play the one song, and I I'm gonna download more songs. To play and test out. You tell me. I like that. No, don't play that with no more. You know, starting from tomorrow, right? We're just going to run some songs. And if something you like, you say, that third song you played after the show is over. I want to hear that again. Or what's the name of that? Whatever, whatever. Because I got thousands to choose from. I just haven't had the chance to really, you know, because they're uh, royalty-free music. But they're real artists that made an agreement with this company that you can let them play my music for free. It gives them exposure. But you have to have an account. And with these songs, I can, I can give them all to you. You know what I mean? I've done it in the past. So if there's any song, say, hey, that song you played on the show last night, whatever, whatever, just give me your email, you know, and I'll get it and send it to you. I mean, I paid 15 bucks for, like, I mean, millions of songs here. It's nothing to send it over, keep everybody happy, right? I'm trying to build that community, y'all. 
But listen, I'm going to come on over to the chat room afterward. Again, if you go to landscurve.com and you see that number, you scroll down a little bit under the chat room, you click that while on your device, your telephone, your tablet, your computer, it will take you straight to the chat room without you having to call. So if you're in Zimbabwe, if you're in Vietnam, if you're in Czechoslovakia, if you're at the South Pole, no charges. It's just like going to a site on the internet and you could talk away for hours and hours and hours and hours. You all know how I do. And so I'm going to make a little instructional sheet that explains all of that. So if you're new to it, you can just either share that or, or look that up and um, I'll do it better because I'm going to do some things this weekend um, in my spare time. After I come back tomorrow, I'm going to take a little nap, decide how we're going to do the show tomorrow night and make a few shirts and do a few graphics because that stuff takes time. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I don't mind. I'm looking forward to a good day tomorrow and I'm looking forward to just goodness overall. We've all been through a lot. And we deserve to have a laugh and have a good time and enjoy yourself. Yes. Anyway, let me play everybody's favorite song. <laughs> I don't want to wear out his welcome, but y'all love it. I'm playing it, but I'll play the other one first and then I'll finish up with that one. Right. So I'll see you in the chat rooms, uh, the conference line soon. And thanks so much for a wonderful show. I draw from your energy. And it makes me want to give back even more. So we're going to do this every daggone day. Every day. Forget that Monday to Friday stuff. It might be a little later than usual. It might be a little shorter sometime. But we're always going to hit this thing every day. Because we love it. And we love each other. Much love to you all. Talk to you in a few.